This is Dr. Baliga here. Today's podcast is on hypernatremia. It is derived from a chapter written by Dr. John J. Chang and Dr. Aldo J. Paxetto, MD, from the Yale University School of Medicine. The chapter is titled Electrolyte Disorders, and the chapter is derived from Baliga's textbook of internal medicine, available at www.mastermedfacts.com. Dr. Chang is an assistant professor of medicine at the Yale University School of Medicine. He works as an academic hospitalist at the West Haven Veterans Administration Hospital. He completed his medical school, internal medicine residency, and nephrology fellowship at Yale School of Medicine. Dr. Aldo J. Paxetto, MD, is professor of medicine and nephrology at Yale University School of Medicine. He also serves as the Associate Chair for Ambulatory Operations and Quality. He's the Clinical Chief of Nephrology and the Director of the Hypertension Center at the Yale New Haven Hospital. Hypernatremia is defined as a sodium concentration greater than 145 milli equivalents per liter. All patients with hypernatremia have hyperosmolality. Unlike hyponatremic patients, who can have high, normal, or low serum osmolality. Except in rare cases of salt poisoning and near drowning in seawater, hypernatremia is generated by a loss of body fluid that contains proportionally more water than solutes. The hypernatremic patient is typically hypovolemic due to free water losses, although hypervolemia is frequently seen often as an iatrogenic complication in hospitalized patients who are tube-fed without water replacement. There are two types of water loss in the body. Water loss is insensible if it happens without the knowledge of the host. Such loss occurs from the skin when water diffuses across the epidermis and is lost by evaporation or from the lungs during normal respiration. Insensible water loss from each organ is about 400 mils per day but can increase with high body temperature, hyperventilation or burns. Since the evaporated water contains no solutes, it generates a water deficit. In contrast, sensible water loss occurs with the host knowledge. Example includes sweat, diarrhea, and urine. It is not difficult to understand how loss of a hypoosmolar body fluid results in a water deficit. A water deficit can still develop when an isoosmolar or even hyperosmolar body fluid is lost. This is because the loss of body fluid will generate a water deficit as long as the sodium plus potassium concentration the body fluid is less than the plasma sodium concentration regardless of the osmolality of the body fluid. This principle is illustrated by the differential effects of two types of diarrhea on water balance. While most diarrheas are isoosmotic with stool osmolality of 280 to 320 milliosmoles per kilo, they have varying concentrations of sodium and potassium. In secretory diarrhea, the sodium plus potassium concentration in the stool is equal to or greater than 
the plasma sodium concentration because the secretion of sodium and potassium into the intestinal lumen is directly responsible for the entry of water into it. Since the water loss is in proportion to the sodium and potassium loss, hypernatremia does not develop. Osmotic diarrhea is characterized by the sodium plus potassium concentration that is much lower than the plasma sodium concentration. The water loss in osmotic diarrhea is due to non-reabsorbable solutes, example lactulose, in the intestinal lumen, which draws out only water. As a result, water loss is proportionally greater than the sodium plus potassium loss, leading to hypernatremia. Osmotic diuresis ensues when certain solutes such as urea, glucose and mannitol accumulate in the tubular lumen in high enough concentration to exact an obligatory high urine output. The high concentration of urea, glucose or mannitol makes the urine hyperosmolar. The urine osmolality is routinely elevated to over 600 milliosmoles per kilo and yet the urine sodium plus potassium concentration is much lower than the plasma sodium concentration which accounts for the generation of hypernatremia. Diabetes insipidus is a condition in which the kidneys fail to appropriately elevate urine osmolality according to plasma osmolality either because of deficiency in ADH synthesis that is central diabetes insipidus or because of resistance to ADH action in the collecting tubules that is nephrogenic diabetes insipidus resulting in renal water loss regardless of solute intake. For patient with diabetic insipidus does not ingest enough water to keep up with the renal water loss, hypernatremia develops. Common cause of central diabetic insipidus include pituitary tumors, brain tumors, head trauma, subarachnoid hemorrhage, immune conditions such as Langerhans histiocytosis, sarcoidosis, granulomatosis with polyangiitis, craniopharyngeal surgery, familial central diabetes insipidus, and idiopathic diabetes insipidus. Causes of nephrogenic diabetes insipidus include drugs such as lithium, vasopressin 2 receptor antagonists, demeclocycline, hypercalcemia, hypokalemia, sickle cell disease with nephropathy, and pregnancy. Clinical manifestations of hypernatremia and diabetes insipidus. The symptoms of hypernatremia are neurological and stem from cerebral dehydration. The degree of cerebral dehydration determines the severity of symptoms. Mild cerebral dehydration causes no or mild symptoms such as irritability. Severe cerebral dehydration can lead to profound depression of sensorium, seizures, and rarely subarachnoid hemorrhage. As in hyponatremia, the severity of symptoms depend on the severity and the acuity of hypernatremia. Patients with central diabetes insipidus and nephrogenic diabetes insipidus present with polydipsia, 
polyuria and nocturia. Polyuria is a consequence of low urine osmolality because the daily urine output is inversely proportional to the urine osmolality. Low urine osmolality increases urine output. On a typical daily osmol intake of 800 milliosmoles and urine osmolality of 100 milliosmoles per kilo, urine output will be 8 liters per day. The onset of polyuria is usually sudden in central diabetes insipidus and almost always gradual in nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. Diagnosis of hypernatremia. The cause of hypernatremia is often evident from the history. History of excessive sensible loss such as vomiting, diarrhea and polyuria or insensible loss such as fever and hyperventilation should be sought. Poor glycemic control is a common cause of polyuria. Lithium and hypercalcemia are the two most common causes of nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. In a patient with a history of head trauma and surgery, central diabetes insipidus needs to be considered. Since hypernatremia is not maintained when there is an adequate water intake, a reason for impaired water intake needs to be sought. Acquisition of such information, however, is not always possible because a patient with hypernatremia may be confused or uptunded. When the cause of hypernatremia cannot be determined because of a lack of historical information or remains uncertain in, in spite of it, measurement of urine osmolality before and after administration of desmopressin, which is a synthetic analog of human ADH, along with plasma measurement of plasma ADH concentration can help distinguish various causes of hypernatremia. If the maximal urine osmolality remains below 300 milliosmoles per kilo in hypernatremia, a diagnosis of complete diabetic insipidus, central or nephrogenic, is made. If the urine osmolality is between 300 and 800 milliosmoles per kilo in hypernatremia, then partial diabetes insipidus, that is central or nephrogenic, is present. The distinction between central and nephrogenic diabetes insipidus is made by the response in urine osmolality to ad administration of desmopressin. The dose of desmopressin is 1 microgram subcutaneous or 10 micrograms intranasal. If the maximal rise in the urine osmolality in 2 hours is less than 10%, nephrogenic diabetes insipidus is diagnosed. If it is greater than 50%, central diabetes insipidus is confirmed. If the rise in urine osmolality is between 10 and 50%, measurement of plasma ADH allows the distinction between central diabetes insipidus and nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. Plasma ADH concentration is low in central diabetes insipidus and high in nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. The causes of hypernatremia fall into two broad categories. The first, which is not so common, where solute gain is greater than water gain and includes soil poisoning or 
feeds without water replacement. The second category, which is more common, is where water loss is greater than solute loss. And these conditions include 1. Cutaneous water loss, such as insensible loss or in sweat. 2. Pulmonary water loss, insensible loss. 3. Gastrointestinal water loss, such as in osmotic diarrhea and vomitus. And 4. Renal water loss, such as in central diabetes insipidus, nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, osmotic diuresis, and gestational re renal water loss. Evaluation of hypernatremia includes measurement of urine osmolality. When the urine osmolality is greater than 400 milliosmoles per kilo, it suggests that the renal water conservative ability is functioning. In non-renal losses, hypernatremia will develop if water intake falls behind hypotonic fluid losses from excessive sweating, the respiratory tract, or bowel movements. Lactulose causes an osmotic diarrhea with loss of free water. Renal losses include when there is severe hyperglycemia, which can cause translocational hyponatremia. Progressive volume depletion from glycosuria can result in hypernatremia. Osmotic diuresis can occur with the use of mannitol or urea. When the urine osmolality is less than 250 milliosmoles per kilo, hypernatremia with the dilute urine, that is osmolality less than 250 milliosmoles per kilo, is characteristic of diabetes insipidus. Central diabetes insipidus results from inadequate release of ADH. Nephrogenic diabetes insipidus results from renal insensitivity to ADH. Common causes include lithium, democlocycline, relief of urinary obstruction, interstitial nephritis, hypokalemia, and hypercalcemia. Treatment of hypernatremia. Hypernatremia represents a state of water deficit. Naturally, the first goal in the therapy of hypernatremia is to replace the water deficit to lower the plasma sodium concentration. The first step is the estimation of existing water deficit. Because the equation for estimating water deficit calculates only the existing water deficit, any ongoing water loss must be added to the existing deficit when calculating the ALI rate of water replacement. Insensible loss from the skin and lungs amounts to about 800 mils per day. The fraction of stool and urine that constitutes solid-free loss can be estimated by dividing the sum of the sodium and potassium concentrations by the plasma sodium concentration and multiplying this value by the total output. In the absence of solid deficit or ongoing solid loss, D5W or enteral water is appropriate. Half normal saline is used when there is a coexisting sodium deficit or an ongoing sodium loss as it is important to replace sodium to correct hypovolemia. As long as the sodium plus potassium concentration in the intravenous fluid is lower than the sodium plus potassium concentration in the urine, plasma sodium concentration will fall. A buildup of intracellular osmols minimizes cerebral dehydration during hypernatremia, but the dissipation of the same intracellular osmols is necessary to prevent excessive cerebral edema during correction of hypernatremia 
when the failing plasma sodium concentration moves water into the cell. Rapid normalization of hypernatremia before the loss of the intracellular osmoles can lead to severe cerebral edema and seizures. This phenomenon has been observed mostly in pediatric populations and only rarely in adult populations. Nonetheless, a reasonable approach is to lower the sodium concentration by no more than 10 milliequivalents per liter in 24 hours if hypernatremia has been present for more than 24 hours. The second goal in the therapy of hypernatremia is to reduce ongoing water loss. Since daily urine output is directly proportional to the daily osmol intake, the reduction in sodium chloride and protein intake lowers urine output in diabetes insipidus. In central diabetes insipidus, replacement with ADH analog DDAVP corrects the deficiency, analyzes urine output and prevents hypernatremia. In fact, care must be exercised to prevent hyponatremia as a consequence of overtreatment. In lithium-induced nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, discontinuation lithium may or may not be curative depending on whether nephrogenic diabetes insipidus has become irreversible. When the underlying cause of nephrogenic diabetes insipidus cannot be corrected, other strategies may be used to decrease urine output. Volume depletion induced by thiazide or amylaride enhances proximal sodium reabsorption. The resultant decrease in the distal solute and water delivery lowers urine output. At the cellular level, water reabsorption increases because both thiazide and amylaride stimulate the insertion of aquaporin-2 water channels in the apical membrane of the collecting duct. NSAIDs increase sensitivity to ADH by inhibiting the synthesis of prostaglandins which antagonize the action of ADH. How to replace water deficit in hypernatremia? It's a five-step process. Step 1 is to calculate the water deficit. Step 2 is to calculate the rate of correction for water deficit. Step 3, calculate the ongoing water loss. Step 4, calculate the hourly rate of water replacement. And step 5, choose the type of fluid. Step 1, calculation of the water deficit. Water deficit equals total body water multiplied by plasma sodium minus 140 divided by 140, where the total body water equals 50% of the lean body weight. For example, in a 70 kilo man with a plasma sodium of 160, the calculation is 0.5 into 70 kilos multiplied by 160 minus 140 divided by 140 is equals 5 liters. Step 2. Calculate the rate of correction for water deficit. A. If hypernatremia is persistent for greater than 24 hours, lower the plasma sodium by no more than 10 milliequivalents in 24 hours. Number of days to replace water deficit equals plasma sodium minus 140 divided by 10 milliequivalents per day. Therefore, in this instance, 160 minus 140 divided by 10 equals 2 days. 
the rate of water replacement in mils per hour equals water deficit divided by number of days to replace water deficit into 24 hours. So water deficit was 5000 mils that is 5 liters divided by 2 into 24 hours that equals 104 mils per hour. When the hypernatremia is less than 24 hours the plasma sodium may be lowered to 140 in 24 hours. The rate of water replacement in mils per hour here in this instance equals water deficit divided by 24 hours. Step 3 calculation of the ongoing water loss. The urinary volume in this patient was 150 mils per hour. Urinary sodium was 50. Urinary potassium was 30. The calculation of the ongoing water loss includes calculation of insensible water loss, urinary water loss and GI water loss. In this instance, the insensible water loss is 800 mils per day or about 35 mils per hour. The GI water loss is calculated by stool volume multiplied by stool sodium plus stool potassium divided by plasma sodium. In this instance, if there is no GI water loss, it's 0 mils per hour. The urinary water loss in this instance equals urinary volume in mils per hour multiplied by urinary sodium plus urinary potassium divided by plasma sodium. Therefore, in this instance, it was 150 mils per hour multiplied by 50 plus 30 divided by 160 that equals 75 mils per hour. Step 4 involves calculation of the hourly rate of water replacement. Rate of water replacement in mils per hour equals water deficit replacement plus ongoing loss replacement. The water deficit replacement equals 104. The ongoing loss replacement equals 35. That's the insensible water loss plus 75. That's the urinary water loss. So the total of 104 plus 35 plus 75 equals 214 mils per hour. Step 5. Choose the type of fluid. In the absence of a solid deficit and ongoing solid loss, give D5W or water by PO or nasogastric tube or PEG tube at the rate determined in step 4, that is D5W at 214 mils per hour. In the presence of a solid deficit and or ongoing solute loss, give half normal saline or one-fourth normal saline. Only 500 mils and 750 mils are free water in one liter of half normal saline and one-fourth normal saline respectively. Therefore, half normal saline at 428 mils per hour is the type of fluid. This is calculated by multiplying 214 mils per hour by 2. In the instance of one-fourth normal saline at 285 mils per hour is the replacement. This is calculated by multiplying 214 mils per hour by 4 thirds. This is in a nutshell how to replace water deficit in hypernatremia.